Hey everyone, welcome back to Talking to the Internet. Again, I'm just so grateful for all of you that are out there listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. I'm excited to announce that this episode is sponsored by Podcorn. As many of you know, if you've ever tried to start a show, you know there are costs associated with starting the show. There's equipment costs, there's hosting costs, and all of these things add up to the benefit of having sponsors or the benefit of having uh, patrons or, or having folks that will tip and, and provide resources for you. So um, when I started the show, I thought, you know, I'm going to dip my toe in the water here and try to figure out if I can get some folks to sponsor the show. I didn't have the resources and didn't feel like I had the clout to engage a third party entity. Then I found Podcorn. So what is Podcorn? Podcorn is a super simple place for hosts of shows like me who are looking for sponsors to find folks who want to sponsor podcasts. You go in, there's a super simple dashboard where you can see who's willing or who's looking to sponsor a show. You can make your pitch to them. You can give them the style of the pitch that you want to do, or you can choose a couple different styles, whether it's an ad or whether it's a kind of a natural review or or something that you work into the show. You can browse and choose opportunities uh, that fit what you want to do. You can set your own rates. Uh, You can collaborate with brands uh, and you don't have to make exclusives. The best thing about it is you never give up rights to your podcast and Podcorn will support you. So I'm excited to have Podcorn as uh, the first sponsor of Talking to the Internet. Um, If you're interested in trying to find a sponsor for your show, I highly recommend you go to their website, podcorn.com, sign up, make an account, look at the available sponsorships right now, submit a couple pitches and see if anyone is interested in sponsoring your show. Thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode of Talking to the Internet. Welcome, welcome. This is Talking to the Internet. It is my privilege to have Micah Sargent here with us today. Uh, Micah has a broad presence on the internet um, and, a, and a very interesting history. Um, most recently, he is uh, a host of many shows and uh, many new shows as well uh, at the Twit Network. So, uh, Micah, welcome to the show and thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am uh, pumped to talk to you about uh, <laughs> talking to the internet. Yeah, so so let's actually dive right in, right? Uh, can you give us your story? Can you tell us really everything from the time you started thinking about, quote unquote, talking to the internet, right, till, till where you are now? I mean, how and more more importantly, why are you doing these things? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's going to go back to probably high school for me. Um, In uh, freshman year of high school, I remember uh, you you get your course catalog uh, in in your freshman handout. And one of the things that was in the course catalog was a thing called forensics. And when I heard about forensics at first, reading it there on the page, I thought, oh my goodness, there's a CSI class that, that they're offering at, <laughs> at my at my high school? That's wild. Uh, so I looked it up. And in looking it up, I realized that, no, it's debate and forensics. It is uh, uh, arguing and um, performing and things like that. So I said, yes, this is something that I want to do. I want to try out. Uh, And so I got uh, signed up for the debate and forensics class. Um, My freshman year, it was a pretty laid back course. The teacher at the time was uh, about to retire after that year. And so we, you know, did a little bit of of learning about 
debate and forensics, but it wasn't until my coach, my debate coach between sophomore and senior year came in that things really kind of locked into place and we started to actually uh, perform and 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 take place in, in competitions and things like that. Um, that was probably the thing that kind of got me into officially speaking and and uh, being interested in the sort of speaking arts because up to that point uh, I think I've always been a ham there are plenty of videos of me <laughs> as a kid being an absolute ham but to turn that into something that could become what it is today that kind of started to shape me so that and doing uh, theater in, in high school as well, I think, played a huge role in the early days for me. And it was with that that I realized that communicating a message, arguing, and having conversations was something that I was, I was always interested in. Um, I took that and I did, a, in high school, I did a web show with some of my friends. Um, it was called Seriously Guys, uh, S-R-S-L-Y Guys. <laughs> and the point of the show, uh, we basically, we it's, it's a bunch of different like pet peeves that we had. Um, so we would talk about a pet peeve. For example, uh, we had a whole month about different grammar things. Uh, we had a whole month about driving. And so, you know, uh, parking poorly, um, taking up multiple parking spots, just different things that were sort of pet peeves. And so we'd, we'd rant about a thing, then we'd do a skit, uh, sort of making fun of the thing. And then at the end, we would offer some solutions to solve for the, the pet peeve that existed. And it was through that I was, you know, one of the, the people, of course, that talked on the show, and performed on the show, but I also was the video editor for the show. Uh, and so through that, I kind of really locked in some of the skills that led me into my role uh, for a company called Newsy. Uh, in college, I, I went to college at the University of Missouri and MU, Mizzou, go Tigers. And um, I was in the journalism program. And in high school, I had been interviewed by a guy uh, named Nathan Byrne. And he was at the time a news anchor uh, on a local radio station in my hometown of St. Joseph, Missouri. And at the same time that I was moving to college, he was moving to the town of Columbia, Missouri, to start a job at Newsy. Since he had interviewed me in high school about Seriously Guys, he knew that I was a video editor, a video producer, and he was looking uh, to build a team in order to produce a morning sort of rundown of the top news headlines. And so he asked me if I wanted to start a part-time job there sort of handling that and being his video editor. So he would be the news anchor and the writer, and then I would edit the videos and we'd publish them with the site. Um, I continued to work at Newsy, uh, eventually moving into a writing role, uh, wrote about tech, and from there became a news anchor. Um, so it appeared on camera uh, and then became the talent coach for incoming talent. So I taught new anchors how to properly anchor, um, and especially in, in Newsy's unique style. Uh, the company was acquired by Scripps, uh, mm -hmm. which owns a lot of different radio stations and, and newspapers and things like that. 
And at that point, I was leading a team of tech writers. Um, and then shortly after the acquisition, I started to feel like the, it wasn't really the place for me. And that's whenever I moved to uh, iMore and Mobile Nations. Okay. Can, can I pause you? Of course. I, I, have like, I have like four or five different questions. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, so you talked about perform, right? You talked about speaking arts. To this day, do you see yourself... Like when you go onto a show, right? Like uh, hands on iOS, or when you go into uh, to one of the the shows that you do once a week or or more regularly, do you see that as a performance, right? Like how different is normal Micah, everyday uh. Micah, and then the Micah that when the camera turns on, here I am. Yeah, uh, that is a really good question. Um, see, and here's why I feel it's especially a good question because. I think that there's a part of me and also a big part of uh, the the listener base who wants to believe that off-camera and on-camera are the same person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, at least in my case, the fact is that is that is not the case. I am myself on camera and I it, it's it's an amplified version of me is is probably the best way to put it. Um, day to day, I, you know, I, I do tend to have the sort of rose tinted shades, uh, approach to life and I am pretty happy go lucky, uh, and do smile a lot, but to take that and turn it up a notch, um, when on camera, particularly when, you know, we all have days where we're not feeling particularly, um, energized and, and into something, but when you've got a job to do, you've got a job to do. And so you can, uh, put on that performance and make sure that you are providing for consistency. So I think it's that consistency that leads me to say that it's not always me, but it is definitely, regardless of what day it is, it, it's it's an enhanced version of me. Yeah, I, I can see that being true because I uh, similar thing with being an educator, right? Like when I go into a classroom, no matter how the rest of the day is going, you know, those X number of students that I'm teaching that's not their baggage. That's not their, that's right. not their stuff to deal with. I need to be the best I can be for them. And I, I would imagine you have a similar thing, right? Like when you go into a show, you need to be the best you can be for the audience who's coming to look at the show, even if something crazy just happened or, yes. you know, if you're having the best day ever or you're having the worst day ever, right? Like, so that's okay. That, that's awesome. Second one, you second one that I have is you talked about your, your web show in high mm -hmm. school. And I'm, and I thought the the phrasing was awesome because um, some of the guests that we've had on before, let's just say they're, they're more experienced in the field. <laughs> They've been around a little bit longer as in they started when, you know, the internet, you know, made this funny tone at the beginning of it when you, when you started it up. Um, so when you say web show, I'm thinking YouTube, but mm -hmm. tell me if I'm correct or if I'm wrong. Uh, well, I will say I I remember uh, the modem calls as much as anyone else. Um, it was just I was much younger when those were happening, yeah. uh, so I could hear all of the tones. Oh uh, no, I, I kid. But it was yeah, it was a YouTube show uh, that I did in high school. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then Newsy, that is where you made the switch to tech, or was tech always something? that was in in the works it was just a matter of newsy was the first opportunity to officially do tech 
Yeah. So this is what's fascinating to me looking, I hope that doesn't sound narcissistic. Looking back on my own life, I find this fascinating. Um, seeing sort of the undertow, the, the, the current that was tech that was in my life because it always played a role and it was always something I was interested in because I love solving problems mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and for my family, you know, solving problems with their tech was something that I could do. Um, I'm a big DIY guy. I love taking things apart, putting them back together, you know, uh, any sort of carpentry, plumbing, all that kind of stuff I really love to do. And so it all fits, it all f sort of scratches that itch, so to speak. Um, but I went to uh, school to be a, an advertiser. I wanted to be a non-womanizing, non-alcoholic version of, um, no, now I can't think of his name, Don Draper. Yeah. Um, that's, that career was the career that I wanted to get into a creative director essentially. Uh, and it was unique, but the journalism program at the university of Missouri was where the advertising, uh, education was it was called strategic communication mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and so yeah i went to school to do that it wasn't until i started working at newsy that i realized holy moly this thing that i'm interested in i mean i can remember in high school having blessed soul google reader uh, <laughs> and just having feed after feed after feed of tech blogs and reading about it and talking with uh friends and family about different things that were coming out and then listening to twit before i was ever you know MacBreak weekly every week and so yeah it was it always played a role but i didn't think of it being something that i could turn into an actual career until i turned it into an actual career working at newsy yeah, that's fascinating that that's really it's really cool and it doesn't sound narcissistic at all because it's it's often when we sit back and we think about those things that we make those connections right i mean it's it's yeah. just so it's very interesting i'm i'm in a similar boat i mean a, a formal education in a technical field but i mean i started taking computers apart a long long time ago when i was really really young and when computers were a lot more expensive than they are now <laughs> and my mom she would freak out because she's like what are you doing and i was like well i want to rip these cds and i want to <laughs> copy them and the only way to do that is for me to take things apart you know right. so it's like i i agree like in it's just that underlying seed or that underlying current as you said that's that's awesome yeah and you know i do want to speak about the transition that took place um it, I, I can't remember quite when this date was, but it was round about the time, I think, while I was still at Newsy, um, so pre-Imore days, when I was listening to a show by Aline Sims, um, and it was called Less Than or Equal, mm -hmm. and an excellent show uh, that sort of covered equality and geekdom was the, the pitch of the show. And I was listening to that show, and my good friend and uh, internet buddy, Joe Rosensteel, uh, was on the show. And he had encouraged other people uh, from the queer community to be uh, to, to come on the show and, and have a conversation. Uh, because up to that point, that was an underrepresented um, group. And so I reached out to Aline and said, you know, I heard Joe talk about this and um, I've never really sort of 
put all of these things together in one place and it would be cool to talk to you and sort of break it apart. Um, and she wanted to have me on. And so I went on that show and had a great time, uh, her and I just talking. And that was round about the time when Isometric on Relay FM, which was with Georgia Dow, Steve Lubitz, and Brianna Wu, uh, was looking for a new host to join them uh, to do the show. And I, uh, I, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I had become... Uh, I think it was probably through Georgia Dow that, you know, I, I'd kind of gotten to know them a little bit and they invited me to be a, um, to essentially try out. I was a, a guest co-host on the network, I mean, on the show, uh, Isometric, and uh, it went well and somebody else was supposed to be coming on, but they were unable to. And so they actually invited me to come back on to the show. So I got to do two episodes and uh, someone had shared my episode of Less Than or Equal with those three. And they really liked um, sort of what I brought to the table there. And so then they ended up inviting me to be a guest or to become one of the hosts of that show. So it really goes back in terms of my sort of podcasting debut. I had been doing a few podcasts before that, but the real debut stepping out onto the scene was because of Aline and Less Than or Equal um, and, and being a part of that show. So I, it really means a lot to me. What that. was the, what was the big driver you know, what pushed you over the edge, for lack of a lack of a better phrase, um, to actually send out that email to Eileen, right? Like, because, I mean, you, you could have said, oh, that'd be cool. Like, it'd be, it'd be awesome to go on that show and then not done anything about it. But mm -hmm. you didn't. Like, you actually made that step, you know, intention to action. Yeah. What, what was what was the driver, if you can if you can remember? Well, OK, so I, I'm glad you're asking this question because I have to be honest with you. Um, that was out of character for me, uh, in general, um, where you, you're Texas, right? Uh, Colorado right now. Oh, Colorado. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm from the Midwest, um, and grew up in, a, a pretty religious household, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. It's only to say that sort of pride and any sort of, um, narcissism or, or anything like that is something that, I sort of have an allergy yeah, yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. to this day. Mm -hmm. And so reaching out and saying, I think I am, and, and you know, this wasn't the message, but what it felt like is me going, I'm interesting. You should talk to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. And that felt really icky. And even saying it now, you know, I've gotten, a, I've gotten a lot better at it. Uh, thanks, you know, therapy and all those kinds of things, but um, it is something that was out of character, but I had established a little bit of a friendship with Joe Rosenstiel at that point on uh, Twitter, just from our exchanges. And so when he said that, it felt more direct uh, than it was just sort of a call to the world. Um, and so that was enough to sort of pull me in and say, you know what, I'm one of these people that he's, that he's talking to. And Aline seems very approachable, where I think sometimes people in this space can seem a little bit, um, or maybe we, we, what is it, pedestalize them yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a way. Yes. And so all those things, I mean, she's just so warm and welcoming and inviting. And I felt like Joe was speaking 
to me as much as anyone else. And so that kind of is what drove me to do it on top of just a a desire at that point to be um, open and honest with the world in a way that I hadn't been before. Um, and so it all just kind of came together, I think. It was just perfect uh, timing, perfect situation for me uh, and where I was at my point in life there to really want to to step out. See, I, I love that. Like, I, and, and this is one of the reasons why I love the internet um, and I love the... Uh, what's the word? Freedom of the internet. I love the, uh, help me with a word. Um, it's open, right? Like you uh-huh. can, you can create shows and, and nobody, there's no big wall that says, no, you can't do this, you know? Right. So like, and I love the fact that, you know, you and Joe had established, even if it was a tiny little bit of a relationship, like, I don't know like the extent of it, but it was enough to bump you up over that edge to where it moved you to doing something that, you know, I don't know if you want to say it, you know, it launched everything, but it, it seems like it that did. got the snowball rolling down the hill. It absolutely did. Yeah, it yeah, absolutely that. did. And I mean, you know, Joe and, and Aline both know that because I have I've told them before um, where we were both sharing tears just to say, you know, I'm thankful to them both um, for playing that role in my early, uh, early days. <laughs> it, yeah. it absolutely meant a lot. Yeah, if, if if I can pause one minute and talk to, you know, what I've heard other places called the third chair, right? Like if that's you and you're thinking about, should I send that email? Should I reach out to that? Like they just, they just said a thing, try it. Like what's yes. the worst that happens, right? Like what's, even if they don't respond, the worst that happens is you're in the same place you were before you never hit the send button or before you never right. sent the tweet or sent the message. So um, that's awesome. That's a great story. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course, of course. It's uh, it to me to this day. It still uh, inspires me that you know it, there was that chance given and that it led to something. And and being able to follow that timeline is really cool. And just knowing that at the time where I may have felt concerned about doing so, I took that chance and took that opportunity, and it shaped the the sort of trajectory that uh, I, I followed from there. That's awesome. All right. So that was pre iMore, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so now get us to iMore Mobile Nations. You're you're switching from Newsy into iMore Mobile Nations. Yeah. So um it was a lot. I, I love working for startups. I love working for small companies. Uh, even in high school, when I had uh, part-time jobs, I worked for an industrial sewing shop uh, that was owned by a friend's parents. And that was so much fun working with a small group of people and feeling like you were contributing to something and actually seeing the contributions make a difference. That is something that's very energizing for me. Um, so working for Newsy, uh, I came in whenever the company was really still getting its boots on the ground. They were, you know, we're not even there yet. Um, and was a part of that growth. And that was so much fun when the company was acquired, you know, as, as often as the case, things changed and, uh, benefits changed and, uh, goals changed and things like that. And so I had done some, um, freelance writing, uh, for iMore. I had talked to my, uh, manager at Newsy and said, Hey, you know, I'm wanting to do some, some tech writing elsewhere. Is that okay? And, um, 
he was okay with it, gave me permission to do so. And so I um, talked to Renee uh, Ritchie, who at the time was the uh, sort of editor-in-chief of iMore. And I think at that point, he was already the sort of editor-in-chief of all of the editorial publications that, that Mobile Nations owns. And he needed a guide written for Snapchat, and don't we all <laughs> right, we, right we all needed need a guide and needed a guide and all the guides all the guides and i i knew that i had used snapchat a little bit and i knew um that i knew how it worked and i knew that i could do it but i was not snapchat savvy lucky for me at the time my partner pretty much <laughs> was constantly in Snapchat, <laughs> constantly, and, and got his news from Snapchat, uh, messaged friends constantly in Snapchat, was always trying to get me to use Snapchat. I'm going, but the messages disappear. Why would I text you there? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but I told uh, Renee, okay, yeah, I'd love to take on that project. So I wrote this. Um, I think he was thinking it was going to be a small thing, but as I'm getting into Snapchat, I'm realizing there are a billion, you, you, you tap into a screen and then when you tap a button in that screen, then it opens six other possible tree flows. I mean, it just keeps going and going. So I'm sort of seeing this guide spiral out of control as I'm making sure to cover everything, taking screenshots left and right, uh, getting this all together. And I send him over the, the publication in a folder with screenshots in it. And he's kind of like, Oh. <laughs> oh, oh my, this is, uh, this is quite the guide. And I said, well, yeah, it's, uh, kind of, it's, it's gotta be, there's a lot in Snapchat. Um, and so I, of course, before I sent it off, I had my partner at the time look over it and say, is there anything I'm missing? Uh, what is it that you use that, you know, maybe I've gotten wrong here. And I got that all figured out, sent it off. And, um, that was, I think even to this day, probably a lot of the articles from iMore that are about Snapchat are my original writing that has just been updated over time. Um, but that guide has been used for as long as I, you know, have, have had sent it over and, and it's been published um, because Snapchat makes no sense. And I, <laughs> I, to this day, I still don't get it. But I tried very, very briefly. And between the fact that it was not intuitive and like very few of my social network was using Snapchat. I was like, yeah, I'm done. And it, it was probably one of the fastest apps I've ever deleted off my phone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, I, I do still keep it around, but yeah, I hardly ever use it because again, it's, it's, it makes no sense to me. And again, the, the biggest thing now is I don't understand how people have regular conversations in there because I want to find those links and things that we've talked about before. Like you can't do that if the messages are disappearing. But anyway, so um, I was at a place at uh, Newsy where, you know, like I said, things were changing and the, the goals were shifting. And I found myself having to say no to my team of, of writers a lot more. Um, the resources that were once available were no longer available. And I didn't, I, I was not fond of having to say no um, to, to, to my team and uh, sort of having to find new ways to adapt. And so I thought, ah, I think it's probably about time for me to, to get out of here. Uh, so I talked to Renee and said, hey, um, 
I know I've just done some freelance writing for you, but I was curious if uh, there will be any openings at any point uh, for iMore. And Renee was like, you want to start tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, I'm not one of those who's going to just dip on the company that I work for now. So I at least need to give two weeks notice. Um, But you know, at, at that point, I'd love to come and, and work for you. And he said, okay, well, let's, you know, set up a meeting. Let's talk to the guy above him and stuff like that. So we uh, did all of that. I told uh, Nathan, the guy that, you know, hired me at Newsy, who was a, was a mentor for me throughout my entire uh, university career and my career career and uh, was such a great guy. You know, it's hard really saying goodbye to him, but he was saying, you know, I really think this is going to be a good thing for you. Yeah. And so the move um, made sense and he sort of uh, encouraged me into it. And so um, after the, the two weeks, I, I started at, uh, at iMore and Mobile Nations and um, started writing for them. At the time, Serenity Caldwell was um, still uh, at iMore and uh, she and Renee were kind of leading the charge there. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was a good, good period of time. See, and that, and that's where, that's where I learned of the Micah Sargent, right? <laughs> was it was when you made that shift to iMore, right? Cause I was a, an iMore reader. Um, and then I got, you know, this new name started popping up and then I started to see you in other places, um, and listening to different shows and, and hearing your voice, um, in other, in other things. So talk to me about, you know, you're, you're at iMore, you're doing the, the publishing side, right? So you're talking yeah. to the internet and, and, you know, I've said this in, in other shows, but like when I say talking to the internet, I mean broadly talking to the internet, right? Like whether you're writing, whether you're on video, whether you're doing podcasting, whatever it is, you're primarily writing right now. What's, what yeah. else are you doing? That's a, that's a form of talking to the internet. Yeah, so this this was a big shift for me. Um, working again at Newsy, I was I was a news anchor, um, and that meant, you know, a, a more public form, which had its ups and its downs. There were lots of creepy um, exchanges uh, that took place. There was, you know, some of that nonsense, some trolls and things like that. Uh, that was a downside, um, but there were also lots of pleasant interactions and some funny ones too. Uh, Newsy had lots of, of, and I apologize for going back, but I do want to sort of show the the difference between the two. And Newsy had lots of different partners that we worked with. So I was doing all sorts of videos. I did um, several hosted videos for recipes um, for, and I I can't talk about the specific partners, but (laughs) I was making cakes and um, showing how to uh, create I can't remember. There was a whole Valentine's series, for example. Uh, one of my favorite things to bring up is that we had a partner who wanted um, reality show and late night television show recaps. And so there was a period of time where um, we had people who were hired to watch these late night shows and these reality shows and then pick out highlights from the show, write a script to sort of summarize the show and then I was the anchor for this because I had the right energy for it. 
And so then I would go in not knowing anything about these characters and sort of pretend as if I did and deliver <laughs> these things. And so I'd be talking about the real housewives of wherever. Um, and so I'd get exchanges on the internet, like, can you believe that Teresa Giudice did this or did that? And, uh, you know, I'm going, oh, golly, I have no idea, yeah, what I have no idea who that person means. is. Um, but thanks. Uh, and so that was, you know, that was interesting. That was fun. Uh, and so shifting to a role where my my time on camera was once a week, there was lots of benefit to that because it meant that I didn't have to be camera ready at sort of 4 a.m. Um, for the entire day. And, and I mean, that there's that takes a certain level of energy to, again, that performance that has to take place. Uh, whereas when you're writing and it's just you and the, the computer or you and the blank canvas, as it were, um, it's a little bit, you can be more relaxed physically and in that space. Um, I think that, I think that I was, I think I've been designed to, um, to, do communication in a more physical and uh, direct way than writing alone. Okay. Um, my, my brain tends to work that way. And I also, what ends up happening for me is I want to solve a problem and answer a question or whatever it happens to be. And doing so in writing I want to go all of the different 12 possible ways that I think people might think about a thing or might, you know, question a thing. And that becomes sort of unwieldy after a while. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I started to, to recognize that within myself during my time and it was a lot of fun, you know, taking on projects like uh home kit and the smart home while working at, at iMore and, um, particularly around some of the most fun things were covering Apple events live because, oh my goodness, I've never seen a team work so well together uh, remotely as the iMore team did during Apple events. It was, I, I don't know, I feel like the, the president's situation room could learn a thing or two okay. from, from iMore. Okay, let me, I'm going to, sorry to interrupt, but okay. I want to, I want to know more about this because, you know, Renee's in Canada Mm -hmm. Are you still in Missouri right now? No, I'm in California now. Okay, for, so you're in, well, no, I mean, when you're, oh, when at you're the with time, I'm gotcha. Yes, I'm in Missouri. Yes. Okay, where's Serenity? Serenity was in Boston, I think. Yeah, so, so it's a remote team anyhow, right? Like, it, I mean, it's a remote team on the best of days, much yes. less when there's a gigantic event where news is just flowing, you know, like, like a fire hose, right? Yes. So how does it? How how does that happen? I mean, this is one of those areas where I actually do want to get into the how. Yeah. Like how okay. do you keep track of it all? Okay. So this is, I mean, it, it, it's genuinely wild. Um, you, of course, have to do a lot of preparation. And so we would have these meetings leading up to the events where because you know a lot of people who are on the receiving end of things who sort of get the news the apple news they'll complain about uh rumors and things like that because they want to be surprised on the big day but that is one of the biggest godsends for us as writers who uh, we can sort of plan and prep our writing around what we think will be released and so Everybody gets, you know, specific topics that they are going to take and that they're going to cover. 
and you try to fill in as much of the detail ahead of time. You know, you, you want to get in the information from the rumors. And I don't know uh, if you're familiar with the, the TK. Um, it's, it's sort of a fill in. It means to come. Um, but it is it's it's a, a journalist's tool to basically say, you know, I, these are blanks that I need to fill in at some point. And so you go in and you fill out a, a sort of framework of what you're going to cover and then you fill in those TK spots with the actual information. So that happens ahead of time. You know, you sort of set up your frameworks for different things. And then on the day of, thank goodness for an application like Slack, where you have Renee and Serenity at the actual Apple event having been invited. And you have the rest of the team from their respective locations with one display uh, or an iPad or something like that with the live stream playing while the other displays or iPads have, you know, your, your writing app of choice and the site open and you are filling in the blanks whenever your time comes. So you've got somebody who's watching the stream and sort of orchestrating things. I mean, they might as well have on a, uh, <laughs> a nice black tuxedo and a wand in their hand. <laughs> yeah, and they're saying, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's your turn now. We just heard that they're, they're mentioned, they just mentioned that the new iPad's coming up. And then you're watching the stream furiously writing, making sure you're filling in all the blanks. Um, and then you save it. And you send it off to the person who reviews it to make sure there are no errors, you know, copy edits and stuff like that. And then it gets published to the site right after that. And then you move on to your next thing. And then at the end, after the event is over and the website updates with what's available, then you go and you find any new information and you add it to the post that you published earlier. Um, Meanwhile, there's always somebody who is in charge of, you know, getting screen grabs and things like that that are available to the whole team over a sharing platform or something uh, of that nature. So it's it's a really well orchestrated and well organized uh, process that despite the fact that you've got, you know, multiple people in Canada, multiple people all over the place in the United States, you're all communicating sort of furiously. Um, but folks are are doing it in a way that follows a game plan that you've set in place ahead of time and you know everybody has their f it's good because everybody of course has their first apple event but or first tech event or whatever it happens to be but you can count on the fact that some of the there's people that you're working with have had their first before. So there's sort of, there's always a veteran uh, or multiple veterans, so to speak, um, available to sort of help make sure that the process goes along. And I don't know about you. I'll complain, of course, um, as we all do, whenever you, you do something grueling, you do something that's difficult, you do something that really takes it out of you. But at the same time, I'm complaining. I'm also incredibly proud of yeah. what I've done, what the team has done. And so those always felt really good afterward. Uh, being able to say, ah, this is something that we pulled off together and we did a good job. And, you know, you're showing up in the Google rankings and things like that. So, so what is a typical work day? in this right like i mean so an apple event day you know the keynote's going to be at 10 you know california time and what what's the work day in terms of hours uh for for an apple event day or just a typical day for an apple event day like for for an event day i mean i know you've done a bunch of work leading up to the leading up to the actual day but i mean are you on 
basically <laughs> from five in the morning until midnight or until the next day? From the time that the, from about an hour before the event begin, begins until, you know, late, late at night is usually what it would be on those days. And, you know, uh, Mobile Nations was incredibly fair about making sure then that future days you would have time off and stuff like that. So I don't ever want to give the impression that they were sort of overworking because that was never the case. Um, on those days, you knew that you were going to have to work hard. But uh, yeah, on that day, typically that day and the next day were the most intense where you are updating information even after it's done and then updating, updating information. Um, and some of us, one of my favorite things to do was during WWDC, um, one of the things that I would cover was the platforms state of the union. So I would watch the whole platforms state of the union. And for folks who don't know, uh, essentially there's the everybody sees event where they take the stage and it's, it's streamed to everyone and it's kind of for consumers and developers and then the platform's State of the Union is the longer, more technical version of what is given on stage at the main keynote. So it goes into more detail about everything. And so I was the person who sort of summarized the interesting announcements from the platform's State of the Union. And that was a lot of fun, but of course it required a lot of work and you know added several hours onto the thing. So yeah, you sort of Got your co you woke up, you got your coffee, you did your stretches and got your sunlight for the day before yeah. you settled in to really kick things off. Yeah, that's that's all see, that's so cool to to hear the backstory of how the words actually make it to the internet and communicate to to us, right? Because all I think is like, oh yeah, people sit there and they type words. And it's like, no, 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 no. They actually, there's this coordinated team and there is a person whose responsibility is screenshots, right? And getting screenshots to the people who are then putting the art whole article together and most of it's pre-drafted. And like, that's just, that's, that's interesting. That's very, very cool for somebody who doesn't do that for a living. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I, I, what I find fascinating about it is the overlap that exists between different um, publications, because much of that same process would be stuff that we would do at Newsy. Um, when we're covering events at, at Twit, of course, it's a little bit different because we're typically doing it live and it's uh, video and audio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But some of the, the coordination that takes place is very similar. And so I've, there's, a, there's a nice thread there that shows that there really is kind of a pre-planned gameplay game plan process that is necessary to really pull something off um, and, and make it happen. And I, I one one little note that I uh, every time I've talked about this, people always sort of think find it interesting or have a little laugh is um, I remember within the first week of me starting at Mobile Nations, um, I had I needed to update. A number. There was a number in one of my um, articles that had been published, and I needed to update that number with new information that had come out. And so I Slack messaged uh, my editor at the time and um, asked, "Hey, uh, what do I need to do to update this number? And what does you know what does that require?" And she said, "Oh, you just you know go into the site where you know where this is CMS and." update the number, and then you can put a little uh, note at the bottom saying what was updated and why, and then click save. And my jaw hit the floor. 
And the reason my jaw hit the floor is because when I worked at Newsy, <laughs> uh, where we did video news and we sent these videos out to our partners who published them across their sites. So you can imagine a, one video is created, it's uploaded to different CMSs and different um, cloud platforms that then our partners would take and disseminate to all their various sites and things. An error in a video and an updated video was literally a whole day process to update a video, to add a correction at the end, to do the, to update it in all of the different content management systems to, sometimes we had to, there were actual literal calls that had to take place instead of just emails or things like that. It was horrible. And so there was no room for errors or updates or anything like that. And so moving from that to being able to just hit edit and then save was the most incredible feeling in the, yeah, in the I'm world. Sure. It was great. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, and like I can, uh, so I deal with, with this right now with uh, the website I have to oversee the content on is there's seven layers of people who need to approve and or be notified about it before anything gets <sighs> put into a queue. And it's like, geez, I, j I just need to change the, the word the, right. Like, I mean, it, it says, Tuh. and it's like, I need, I need to make it say the. And uh. so, all right. So, okay, let's, uh, let's go to, we're writing at iMore. Mm -hmm. You're doing, uh, are you officially doing any podcasts at this point? Yeah. So, it was during, I think that's whenever um, my, I mean, somewhere between pre-Imore and Imore was when I started, you know, Isometric, which then became Disruption. So that was a professional podcast in the sense that I was getting paid to uh, do that show. Um, around about that time, too, I had started a podcast with Christina Warren. Um, it was called Cartoon Cast, and she and I talked about being adults who love cartoons of all sorts, both ones aimed at kids and ones aimed at adults uh, and everywhere in between. Uh, we did that show for a while, and you know, as, as often happens, we both got very busy, and so we weren't able to continue with that show, but that was a lot of fun. Um, I know you mentioned that you have boys. I don't know if they've ever seen the Cartoon Network show Clarence. They haven't, no. Uh, so Clarence is this adorable show, um, and... Anyway, we got to speak to the lead writer and the voice of the main character on that show on on uh, Cartoon Cast, and that's that's still one of the highlights in my uh, podcasting career so far. It. Uh, it was so fun because she and I both just loved the show, and so we asked him to do the voice for us, and <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, so I was doing those, and then um, at some point during my uh, my iMore days. I got a notification from Jason Snell and from the gentleman of Relay, uh, Stephen Hackett and, and Mike Hurley, and they were asking me if I was interested in taking over uh, for Jason on Clockwise. And when I saw that message... I, my jaw again dropped to the floor. Um, I, I, I really was, I was shocked. Um, I did, you know, every Friday I would do the iMore show with Renee Ritchie, with um, Lori Gillen, with Georgia Dow. But Clockwise was a podcast that I listened to, that I enjoyed, that I um, 
really, you know, I, I loved the the conversation between uh, Dan and and Jason, and was able to be a, a guest on the show a couple of times. And my uh, pride point was always uh, getting the the title of the episode. <laughs> some some inevitably, I would say something ridiculous that would become the title of the episode. And so that was kind of like my extent. I never saw that being anything more. <laughs> and I loved doing I loved doing the iMore show. Uh, don't get me wrong, but because it was my job to be, you know, I was a, a senior editor at iMore, then it felt like that was sort of a built-in thing to be on the iMore show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this really felt like it came from a place of, of, um, I, we like what you do and we want you to, you are at a level that we appreciate to take over for Jason Snell. What? Um, so that felt really cool, made me just kind of, wow. Uh, it was at least a temporary vaccine for imposter syndrome, um, that kind of just, just. I don't know. It was just a, it was a bright spot for sure. Yeah, definitely. Very well deserved as well. Very well deserved. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was, um, I, I remember, uh, you know, responding and saying, holy moly, are, are you serious? And, uh, yes, of course I'd love to tell me more, you know, I'll what's say, going it's, on. It's one of those situations where you get the email and you go, okay, should I intentionally wait a day yeah. to respond? <laughs> because if I respond in 35 I seconds, desperate. yeah, like this is going to look weird if I respond before they hit send, this is strange. Yes, exactly. I that's kind of what it was. Uh, me going, I need to at least look like I put some thought into it before yeah, I exactly. say yes. Um, and I was also making sure, you know, is Jason okay? You know, what's going on? Um, and so, you know, everything was okay. Jason was starting a new show at that time, and uh, I was happy to uh, take over for him on, on Clockwise. And um, yeah, I don't know, it, it ended up being again a a decision that i'm so happy that you know i went forward with and do feel humbled that uh they felt i could do that job for sure so get us to get us to twit so twit um mobile nations as as seems to be the way of me working for startups um was acquired by uh future i think is the name of the company uh, having worked for Newsy and seeing the process by which a company is acquired, um, there, there are certain signs that, that take place and certain things that you see that lead you to the conclusion that a company is going to be acquired. And those signs cropped up at mobile nations. Um, and it was not shortly after that, that I, along with some other folks were, uh, laid off from, from mobile nations. Um, and I was given the opportunity, you know, super thankful, um, to be given the opportunity to continue as a freelance writer for, mobile nations. So essentially it would be working, you know, paper article kind of thing. Um, and I, uh, happily did that happily continued on the iMore show every Friday. Um, but of course, 
as as is the way of things it is a it was a rough it was a rough thing to have to go through um and i want to be you know 100% upfront too and say renee and lori who at the time were kind of in um in were, were my direct contacts who you know sort of had to do that were both so incredibly gracious so incredibly wonderful and so incredibly helpful in my transition from that to not no longer working for the company in that capacity. Um, and I'm, you know, I continue to be incredibly thankful for their friendships. Um, so I was working uh, as just a freelance writer, uh, doing clockwise um, and doing some other shows. I was uh, somehow I managed was a show that I started with Tiffany Arment, mm-hmm. uh, which covered the office. And I remember um, I had I was living in in southern Missouri in Springfield, Missouri. Um, my partner and I met during college. My partner at the time and I met during college, and he had gotten a um, what's the word I'm looking for a promotion that took us to Springfield, Missouri after college. And so we lived there for a while, and then he had ended up receiving another promotion that took him to St. Louis. Um, I did not go to St. Louis. And so I was living in Springfield um, in, boy, do I miss it? A three bedroom house, <laughs> a huge backyard, uh, yeah. the huge fenced in backyard. It was so nice. Um, and I ended up moving back home uh, to St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, and I remember I was sitting at the bar at the kitchen bar in my mom's house when I looked at my phone and I had gotten an email uh, from the CEO of Twit, Lisa Laporte. Um, I had appeared on different Twit shows. Uh, Megan Maroney was the, I think, the first person who invited me on. And I was uh, filling in while Leo was out for uh, iOS today. And so I'd been on that show a few times, had so much fun. Megan's amazing. And uh, iOS today was a whole heck of a lot of fun doing that with her. Through that, um, I got to appear on This Week in Tech a few times. And I think I was on a couple of other programs. Um, so it was during that time that, uh, you know, I'd gotten this email and Lisa had said, Hey, you want to, do you have time for a call, uh, at some time this week? And I thought it was just going to be a, a conversation about, you know, my, my appearances and things like that. I was not expecting, uh, what ended up happening. And so I said, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, didn't put too much thought into it, but, um, we hopped on the call and she said, I'd like for you to come work for us. And I said, or I'd like for you to work for us. And I said, oh, wow, really? And she said, but you'll need to move to California. And I said, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I lived in California when I was uh, uh, between the ages, I think, of four and six. I lived in Oceanside, California, which is in Southern California. And... Uh, something to know about me, a fun fact is that I am terrible about geography and navigation and all of those things. So bear with me as I say what I'm about to say. In my mind, California was not the incredibly tall or long or whatever you want to call it state that it is. Uh, I didn't think about how how big it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I had this image and feeling in my mind of what Southern California was, which was this hot place 
that was miserable because it didn't have winter. There was no snow and I love snow. Um, I'm the type of person that loves the cold weather and I, I love being able to sort of, you can only take off so many clothes before you're nude and you're trying to like cool down, yeah. but you can keep putting on layers to warm up. And that's my whole thing. I hate being sweaty and hot. Okay. So I had always said, no, there's no way I'm going to live in California. Are you kidding me? California, it's hot and gross there. Um, luckily, blessedly, while I was working for Mobile Nations, I had the opportunity to go to San Francisco when WWDC was in San Francisco. And I remember being in San Francisco and walking uh, down the street and needing to have a jacket to be comfortable and looking up and seeing this sort of dreary, it almost could rain sort of climate. And that is quite literally my perfect weather. I love the, it's almost about to rain. Um, it's cold where you need a, a jacket in the morning or else it'll kind of be biting. I love that. Yeah. Hoodie and, weather. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, hoodie, hoodie weather. weather. Yes, perfect. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And so I had never thought before that, duh, there are going to be multiple sort of weather environments, microclimates within California because of how big it is. Um, but, and, and, you know, it's location to the ocean and stuff like that. So I knew that Petaluma, which is where Twit Studio is based, is near um, San Francisco. And so I thought, okay, maybe I could uh, live in California. And, you know, I, I talked to her and I said, I've, you know, I've got two dogs. Um, I just found out that I am um, gluten intolerant. Like I ended up in the hospital a couple of times with heart issues that they thought were something else, but it ended up being my gluten intolerance. Um, oh my. Yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. And so I, I thought I need to make sure that if I'm living in California, um, with two dogs, I already know that's going to cost me moving to California is going to cost me. And, um, I can't live off of ramen noodle because I am gluten intolerant. Uh, so all of these things kind of need to work together. Uh, but you know, twit, um, flew me out to come see what Petaluma was like. Uh, I had the opportunity to hang out with Megan Maroney while I was here and uh, get to meet her. Um, and of course, meet everybody at Twit. And it was a lot of fun. The It's a little bit warmer in Petaluma than it is in San Francisco. Um, but overall, weather is fantastic. And I was able to find a place that was very open to dogs and, you know, made sense for me, made sense for me. So I decided I'm going to do this. And so it was not long after I received the offer that I drove 26 hours to <laughs> from, from St. Joseph, Missouri to Petaluma and moved into uh, my place here. And so, yeah, I, I really uh, sort of committed and <laughs> dug in and, and uh, started at Twit. Now, it was kind of, given this sort of external look of things, um, it would seem as if my role was to come in and replace Megan Maroney. Uh, That's it, so funny that you said that because I was like, did they know that Megan was going was gonna to depart or... Was the, how, you know how did all that work out? So that keep going. I, I, this is interesting. Yeah. So it was funny because in my conversations with Lisa, 
um, I kind of I kept talking about how I was really excited to uh, get to work with Megan. You know, Megan had me on the show, da 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 da. And I, I started to notice at the end how we would talk about all the other things, but we never would really talk about that. There was no acknowledgement of me saying that. Um, and, you know, I ended up talking to Megan, uh, who, and, and this is all, you know, this is out there. This is, this is not as if I'm, I'm telling super secrets or anything like that. Uh, Megan was moving to, uh, moving to a role working for Medium, uh, Medium's One Zero publication. And uh, so I was going to be hired to work at Twit even before uh, Megan had made the decision to move to Medium. Uh, it just so happened that those took place at the same time, and um, Leo really wanted me to be his co-host on iOS Today, and Jason Howell really wanted me to be his co-host on Tech <laughs> Weekly. So originally, I was going to come in as a producer and um, make some new shows on the Twit Network. So I would eventually be a host, but starting out, I was going to be producing, uh, helping out with with some of the shows that existed already, and then move into more of a host role. But Leo wanted me to join him, and like I said, Jason wanted me to join him. So I basically went in at, with the host role uh, first and foremost. Um, and yeah, so so those those two took place at the same time, but I was going to be coming regardless of of Megan's uh, leaving. I was, of course, at first bummed out um, about Megan uh, moving on to a new role. Obviously excited for her, but sad that the two of us weren't going to get to work together. But what I didn't realize at the time, whenever I'd first heard this, was that she lives in Petaluma, and so she mm-hmm. and I are you know we we go hiking. Well, before shelter in place, <laughs> yeah, of course, we, we went hiking and, and stuff like that. So she, it's funny, she calls she calls herself my um, West Coast mom, and I flew my mom out right before all of the the COVID stuff uh, to see my place here and, and meet everybody. And so my mom, mom, my West Coast mom finally had the opportunity to meet one another, and that was really fun. That's awesome. So, so talk to me about your motivation, right? Um, you know, um, Lisa reaches out to you and says, Hey, we want you to come do this thing at twit. And, you know, you're going through that process, that interview process, and you're thinking about, okay, I'm now going to be a producer at the time or potentially a host, eventually a host at twit. Other than the fact that it's like, Oh, okay, well, I'm not a you know, mobile nations anymore. And this would be a stable, you know, position. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about like, what, what did, what were you thinking in terms of hosting those shows, producing those shows, this new way of making content for, um, for the internet? Yeah. So, um, I think, so in, in college while I was, uh, attending the university of Missouri, I, um, was listening to, I think it actually might have been less than or equal. And there was an episode where my former co-host, um, Steve Lubitz, was on less than or equal. And he was talking about his daughters, um, who uh, two of his daughters are on the autism spectrum. And I believe one of the two daughters has ADHD. And while uh, he was you know, learning about ADHD and helping his daughter with ADHD, he started to feel 
like so many of the symptoms that were talked about with their psychiatrist were things that he identified within himself. Uh, the thing was that he was a well-performing kid in school, uh, never had issues with that, and did very well throughout his entire sort of school career up until uh, university. And I really identified with a lot of that, and it made me curious. But I lived in a university city, uh, Columbia, Missouri, and I knew folks who would take advantage of, of, of the system in order to get prescribed medicine for, um, for attention deficit disorder and things like that. And I didn't feel comfortable uh, because there, there are multiple processes for being tested uh, for ADHD. And one involves, you know, talking to a psychiatrist and then uh, trying out a medicine plan. And if the medicine plan seems to help you, then that is kind of one way of being diagnosed. Because I lived in a in a university city, and because I'm a bit I'm a textbook overthinker, that process was not one that I was interested in. Um, instead, I found a neuropsychologist who uh, you know I, I did multiple sort of interview meetings with and talking about my history um, and took some tests, some actual written tests. And then it was an interesting process where they attached an ECG. Um, so I had to wear these probes on my head and I watched a screen that had like a visualizer screensaver on it uh, for I think like 30 minutes. And then I had to watch an entirely blank screen for 30 minutes, just sort of sit and stare at this blank screen. So they were measuring my brain waves and, and looking at that. And uh, it came back and showed that I did have, according to the my brain waves and all this stuff that I had went through, um, ADHD. And the doctor, and again, this is not to come across narcissistic or anything like that. Um, it, it was simply an explanation for why maybe it didn't become detected until I sort of found it out for myself. He diagnosed me with what he called high IQ ADHD. And essentially, your intelligence quotient helps to mask the symptoms because you can overcompensate for the symptoms of, of ADHD in, in youth. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was an eye-opening experience for me because from that point on, I had sort of a name for some of the things that I had experienced. And it opened me up to be able to read a lot more about it and understand it and understand myself a lot more. Um, and so all that's to say, I think that, you know, ADHD doesn't have to be completely a, a disorder that results in you, you know, not being able to, to do the things that you want to do. And in some ways it can be a superpower. And so I am stimulated by, by certain types of change and by certain types of challenge. And that has motivated me throughout my entire life. I love learning new things. It sort of is the basis of, of who I am as a person. And it's why, you know, as we were leading up to this interview, I was reading about you and needed to know about engineering education, what that meant. Um, I just find it, I find learning to be so wonderful and and so a new opportunity that involved new challenges and new things that I could learn in an environment where it was a small company 
with with folks all working together where you can see the change that you uh, see the change and see the growth that you sort of put in. All of those things were what led me to make the decision to say to say yes. Well, and that's the nature of the types of shows that you do at Twit, right? I mean, you're doing, you know, smart tech today where you're looking at different uh, new technologies, right? You're doing mm-hmm. iOS today where you have to stay up to date with what's currently happening. You're doing hands-on iOS, which you have to stay up to date. Um, you know, like these types of shows are, if you're not with it, you're not going to be able to do the show and do it well. And when I say right. with it, I mean like if you're not staying up to date and you're not continuously learning. So that's cool. Like that's a really interesting way that you've taken something about you, you know, some thing that could be looked at as a um, hindrance, right? And you say, no, 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 this is, this is who I am. And I'm going to, I'm going to leverage that and I'm going to, you know, excel, um, you know, leverage that to excel. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a really cool, I didn't expect it to go that way, that way. And I always, I was like, where is he going with this? And then, and then you tied it back in and I was like, oh, that makes total sense when I think about the shows that he does yeah. um, uh, on there. So, all right. So if you were giving advice, right, you're giving guidance, somebody reaches out to you and says, Micah, I want to make content for the internet. I want to talk to the internet. Give me the best advice you can give me. What do you tell them? Authenticity and honesty play a bigger role, I think, than anyone realizes. I speak. I spoke earlier about how when I am in front of the camera, I didn't say that I'm playing a role. I'm playing a, a heightened version of myself. And I think that if I were performing entirely and totally, it would result in... It's it's something that in many ways I think people can just pick up on. Uh, behaviorally, we have, um, instinctually rather, we have sort of an ability to, in many ways, tell insincerity and to, to, to sort of pick out insincerity. And I know that the reason that I enjoy the content that I enjoy is because of the honesty and the the sincerity of of the the folks who produce it the folks who make it and you know i have this habit of on different uh shows that i do randomly switching into accents and doing weird voices and things like that and i could curtail that but i i think that it's dishonest to who i am as a person and and sort of what i'm bringing to the table and so in many ways, I don't. Um, I think that that authenticity is is the most important thing. So, I guess you you need to take that that bit of advice and then think about what it is that you're wanting to produce, what content you're wanting to make, and then ask yourself: Can I truly be authentic and be myself in producing this content? before you make the decision to sort of go that route. Because if you are sort of pushing yourself to fit into a box that does not quite, uh, is not quite shaped the way that you are, not only is it going to be a struggle for you uh, motivation-wise, but I think that people can easily sniff that out. I, I, can, I can think of um, 
of, of multiple people who, you know, watch some, some content and, and decide, ah, oh, this really isn't for me. And a lot of times it seems like it's because there's an, uh, a lack of authenticity to it and a lack of sincerity to it. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Are you ready for the unlightning round? I'm ready. All right. So just to remind everyone, Micah does not know these questions unless he's listened to other shows and then he might know some of them, but that's okay. Here we go. Overall, what is your favorite content on the internet? Oh boy. Um, Oh golly. Now I can't think of the name you had to ask me. It's Dragon Friends. It is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast from some Australian stand-up comedians and it is just dadgum hilarious. Alrighty, second question. Overall, who is your favorite personality on the internet? Oh no. Um, oh, <laughs> you know what? I'm unashamed. It's Chrissy Teigen. I love Chrissy Teigen. She's hilarious and her Twitter is amazing. And I'm really looking forward to making the carrot cake she recommended just the other day, today. And so, yeah, I love, I love Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> okay. We're going we're to pause the lightning round because we have to, we can't, we can't move on from this. Uh, have you, is, did Quibi release yet? Yes. And have you watched the judge show? Yes. With, okay. Tell Chrissy's me. Chrissy court. Okay. It's, so I have to say, see, everybody's very grumpy about Quibi and I understand. And I, I think the part of that is because we all want to um, sort of, sort of look down on low brow content or something. But um, you know what? We're living through some trying times right now. <laughs> and if I want to watch garbage television, I'm going to watch garbage television. Uh, it is silly. And it is, uh, it's, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's silly and it's, it is garbage television, but I have enjoyed watching Chrissy's court. You know, each episode's like six minutes long at the most. And she makes fun of her husband, John Legend for trying to steal her thunder whenever he comes on the show as a guest. Her mom is the stinking bailiff. It's hilarious. All right. You heard it here first. Our first review of Chrissy's court. (laughs) Not appropriate for this show, but that's okay. That's great. We had to, we had to go there because that's where it took us. Um, the next lightning round question is a creator show or some content that you would consider to be on the rise and something that our listeners should definitely check out. I'm going to have to go with my pal, Matthew Casanelli. Um, he is such a hard worker and is so, um, so open with people in a way that I don't see, you know, a lot of times creators sort of work on their own and are very isolated and he's so helpful to other people and reaches out to other people and, uh, produces some fantastic content. And so, yeah, you should absolutely check him out. It's Matthew C A S S I N E L L I Matthew Casanelli, all of his stuff about shortcuts and everything else you should check out. Okay. I take you to an Island. Okay. I give you an internet connection and power, but it's a very limited internet connection, and you can only watch or listen to one thing. What do you watch or listen to? When you say one thing, one season, one no, episode, one, well, yeah, like one, like oh, one, no. like why are like you doing one, this to me? <laughs> one entity, right? Like, so you can pick a show and then you can watch all the seasons of that show, or you can pick a podcast and listen to all of that podcast in perpetuity for as long as it's made. But it's like, oh. it can only be one thing. Okay. Then it's the office hands down a okay. million percent. Yes. That makes sense because you created a show about it. Um, <laughs> all right. Now this is your last question. As okay. the iOS expert, as the host of multiple iOS shows, Mm-hmm. For the folks who come here who may not follow the iOS world as closely, 
Mm-hmm. What is the one thing we should be doing or using on iOS that most people currently aren't? Wow, that's a fantastic question. Um, oh, and this is a little bit of a plug, but it's only because I think it'll help you. Uh, hands on iOS, there's going to be an episode out soon about Control Center. Control Center is a very powerful thing uh, that everybody can take advantage of in a big way on their iOS devices. Uh, you either swipe down from the top right if you don't have a home button or swipe up from the bottom if you do. And uh, there are more controls beyond the basic ones that are available there. So the episode kind of teaches you not only how to add more of those controls to your control center, but also what each and every one of those controls mean and how you can sort of tap into each of those controls and get even more controls. Control center is very powerful and it's accessible across the entire device, uh, regardless of if you're using iPad OS or iOS. And so it's a, it's a great way to uh, command and control your iOS devices. Perfect. And I will do my best to link to that episode depending on timing and uh, how everything works out. But uh, Micah, I want to say thank you so much for joining the show. I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story, for providing us with not only great things that we can learn from, but um, just also, you know, uh, a great time. Um, I, I do want to plug anything that you want to plug. So where can folks find you? What what do you want people to know about? Um uh, yeah, if you head to chihuahua.coffee, that's C-H-I-H-U-A-H-U-A.coffee. It is a redirect to, I think it's mica.co slash chihuahua coffee. But the point is, that is the link you can use to have links to all the different things I do. Um, so you can head there. And then uh, I would just encourage folks, I, I don't know when this show is going to be published, uh, but if it's still in the time of, of uh, COVID-19 to look for ways that you can donate to help with the the ongoing situation Uh, because frankly, money is one of the best ways that individually uh, we can help out without sort of having to be physically present in, uh, in the environment, which is not something we can do. Perfect. Thanks, Micah. Thanks again. Uh, Thank you for your time and uh, hope you have a great day. You as well. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to talking to the internet. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it, rating it, or leaving us a review. If you want to support the show with either a one-time tip or a monthly gift, please go to talkingtotheinternet.com support, and there you'll find a link to the podcast tip jar. This has been a Shwa Shwa production.